0: Well, hey, we are here and we're ready to take care of business as we do every week, where we dive into real life questions from you, the listeners about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day excited to be able to do something that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. As you know, this is where normal, indecision, ambiguity come to die. Welcome to the 48 Days of Radio Show. Well, we got some great questions. Again, we're going to be talking about following your dreams today, having just done a webinar on the five things that stop dreamers from moving forward. Hope you enjoyed that. Probably a replay available. If you registered for that, you can go back and catch it if you weren't there for the live presentation. Here's some of the questions we'll be looking at today. Dan, I'm struggling to quit a job that is killing my soul. Pretty poignant description there. How about this? Dan, I'm 16 years old. Can I really chase any career I want? Got an audio clip from a young guy on that one. Dan, I'm having a hard time figuring out how to break away from my corporate job that pays well and then to transition to my passion. Your lady says, my big dream is wanting to start something bigger than myself. Someone else says, the one dream I've always had is having a mini farm. Well, our quotation, tying some of these together, comes from Langston Hughes, one of my favorite poems of all time, that starts off, hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is like a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. Hey, that's pretty poignant to the point. Life is like a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. That's what you feel like if you're not following your dreams. Well, i got a couple of just fun tidbits here. That we start off every every time with. Uh, you know, on July 4th weekend, there's always a hot dog eating contest. It's up in um, New York. Well, pro eater Joey Chestnut once again won this year, put $10,000 in the bank after he ate. Now get this, he ate 76 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. Seventy-six hot dogs and buns. Now get your head around that. That's a whole big pile of hot dogs. Seventy-six hot dogs and buns in ten minutes. Well, the Washington Post estimates his intake at twenty thousand five hundred and twenty calories, one thousand one hundred and two grams of fat. Well, and so on and so forth. Now, this is a guy. This is what he does. I mean, we talk about interesting careers on here a lot. You'd be amazed the kind of things that people do to create their income. I mean, who would have thought a few years ago that you'd just talk, have a podcast, and have sponsors pay you for ad spots and make a living doing that? Now, that's not what I do, but some people do. Certainly, they're out there. But not a whole lot of people would think about being a professional eater, This is what he considers himself. He's a pro eater. He practices for these kind of events. In 2006, Joey ate 47 grilled cheese sandwiches in 10 minutes. Man, think about that going down your stomach. 47 grilled cheese sandwiches. And back a couple years ago, he ate 182 chicken wings in 30 minutes. He ate 53 soft beef Taco Bell tacos in 10 minutes. One time he ate 121 Twinkies in six minutes. One time he ate 32 Big Macs in 38 minutes. 32 Big Macs, almost one a minute for 38 minutes. Well, another way that he's cashed in, I mean, he's made a whole lot of money doing this. And of course, you know, 10,000 bucks, that's not gonna make a great living for you if that's all you get. But his real money is in endorsements. So he's cashed in in with all kinds of companies like Hooters, Hostess, Coney Island, pepto <laughs> I mean, that seems like a logical connection. He's done, yeah, you, you can go, you, you may show up at your grocery store and you'll see a display of pepto and uh, Joey's face is on there, Joey Chestnut. He's the eater. He's also done his own line of condiments now in grocery stores. So you, you can show up and get a, a bottle of sauce. And he has a firecracker mustard, a boardwalk Coney Island sauce. So he's doing a whole bunch of things to leverage the one thing that he is doing, and that's eating a lot of food and winning contests and doing such. But I want you to hear that theme. You hear that a lot here, and I am to be talking about that with some of the questions today, how to leverage your core idea. Don't just get stuck. I write books. I love writing, but that's not where I make the, mo- the bulk of my income. It's from the leveraging of the message in the books into a whole, whole lot of other things that we do. Here's another, just a quick example. I have a granddaughter, one of Kevin, my oldest son's daughters, out in Colorado. Over the 4th of July weekend, she made $1,522 in three days doing henna. Now, if you aren't familiar with that, it's, it's like a temporary tattoo. So it uses kind of an ink. And she draws these really elaborate kind of designs. They're really beautiful. But, um, you know, something that is there, you see it for a few days and then it gradually wears off. And typically after, you know, three weeks or so, it's totally gone. But Hannah, I she mean, $1,522. So the her material cost is extremely low. So most of that is just profit. That's not bad for a little girl to do in three days. One one more tip here I want to give you. This comes from Stephen Lovett, who is the author of Freakonomics, a book that was written a few years ago. Golly, he has done a couple since then. But anyway, Freakonomics was really the big one. And what happened is when that book came out, he was instantly famous, and people were asking him for advice. People were asking him a lot of really deep questions just because he had written a book that had done really well. You know, it's kind of funny how that works. I mean, I tell people all the time, there's nothing that adds to your credibility like having a book with your name on the front cover. I mean, you can have a PhD, nobody cares. You can have an MD or, uh, you know, a whole lot of other professional degrees. It doesn't have the impact. Certainly there's nothing wrong with those degrees, but it doesn't have the impact that being an author does. Just yesterday, we had a heating and air conditioning guy on our property here, and he he heard me, doing Zoom calls. And he's like, gee, what are you working? Are you playing? I said, no, I work from home. What do you do? I'm an author. Well, he had a really hard time getting his head around, you know, how we could be living in the place that we're living in just because I like to write. Well, anyway, writing has served me well. And Stephen Lovett discovered that in having a book that did really well, people ask him all kinds of questions, even about major decisions, And he thought, well, I'm not adequately prepared to answer those kind of questions. So what he decided to do, and he told his listeners, his blog followers, this. He said, ask me any kind of question you want. A big life question. You know, should you get married? Should you quit your job? Should you start a business? Whatever. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to flip a coin. Yes or no. So you ask me any question where you need a yes, no decision. I'll flip a coin and I'll tell you that. (laughs) Now, you may think, well, that's ludicrous. People aren't going to follow his advice. Well, people actually did. But what he found, the people who did move forward with a big change were happier and more satisfied, more fulfilled than those that stayed the same. Now, there's kind of the moral of the story there. It seems that when we have an idea, if we don't work to make that come true, we end up regretting it. I mean, that's pretty common knowledge. But he was open with people that his advice was coming, not because he understood their situation or he'd really thought it through. He simply flipped a coin. And yet those who got a yes from him and moved forward with that ended up happier and more fulfilled. So take it for what it's worth. But if you've got a, a big dream or an idea out here, chances are you're going to be happier if you do take action to move toward that. All right. So now speaking of which, I'm going to go right into some questions here. This comes from Charlie who says, I'm struggling to quit a job that is killing my soul. I can quit by the 23rd. That's, you know, here, here in July, he wrote this to me just a couple of days ago. I'm recording this on the 14th. So he says, I can take quit by the 23rd and take $20,000 cash in early August. But it's frightening to think, what if I have to start all over again and without the benefits? Well, this is where I want to quote the old 1969 Woody Allen movie or the Steve Miller band song, go on, take the money and run. Remember that old song? Go on, take the money and run. Well, that's kind of my uh, advice here. Now, I don't say that just casually to just you know, kill the golden goose or to just leave without a plan. But if you are in a job that is killing your soul, you're not doing anybody any favors by staying there. Certainly not you, not the company. It's just impossible. If it's killing your soul, you have got to get out of there. But you've got you can quit by the 23rd, take 20,000 cash in early August. Go ahead. I'd take it. Give yourself 48 days to come up with a new plan, and you can do that. You really can. Now here's the thing. You are not going to start over. It's impossible you're a different person. I don't know anything about the history of what it is you're doing or how long you've been there, but let's say that you're 45 years old. You're not going to go back to where you were 18 and start there. You have the maturity, the value of the experience of all these years of whatever it is that you've done. You're a different person now than you were 10 years ago or 20 years ago or five years ago or two years ago. You don't go back. You don't start over. So you bring all that with you. You ought to be able to make much better decision about what you're going to do now. And you ought to also have some insight about what kind of position would you be in? What kind of work would you be doing where it's not killing your soul? Look at that. This is a a time to be introspective. In 48 days, I talk about the fact that 85% of the confidence of having a proper direction comes from looking inward first. So you don't just look at who's hiring, what kind of jobs are out there. No, look, look at what you know about yourself. What are your unique skills and abilities, your personality tendencies, your values, dreams, and passions. The more you know about yourself, the more confidence you can have than about making a good decision about what you're going to move to. But wow, 20 grand to get out of a job that you hate. That's a blessing. I mean, you ought to leave if they don't give you anything. And to be able to leave a job that's killing your soul and get 20 grand. Wow. That's a that's a great great opportunity. All right, now I want to play you a quick video here. Th- this is pretty self explanatory, but uh, I'm going to play it and then we'll we'll comment on it.
1: Hello, Mr. Miller. I just want to say first of all, I really appreciate um, you taking the time to do everything you've been doing for the past twenty years especially with that book that has changed my life. I'm only 16 years old and I'm on my sixth. I'm going to be on my sixth book this year. I read How to Influence and Influence People. I found out about your book after I read the Ramsey book. And once again, I really appreciate it. Now, my question is very simple. And I'm almost done with the book, by the way. A couple pages left. I understand that you say that it's never too late to change any career. I just wanted to know about... Does that apply to sports as well? For example, soccer in the U.S. Is it ever too late at your age, whether you're 21 or something, to even find a way to stock your way up there and go professional in, in the MLS? I hope it's not a silly question. Once again, we appreciate you for everything you've been doing, sir.
0: Well, Edmund, thank you for your your message. I commend you, 16 years old, reading books like that. I got a second message from Edmund, incidentally, for the rest of you here. He finished 48 Days, and it actually scared him, really scared him, because here's the deal. He assumed he never really could be a great soccer player, but that's the only thing he, he, he can see himself doing where he's happy. So my advice I say go for it. I mean, absolutely go for it. 16, now you're, you're certainly not too old to chase any career that you want to at 16. But if you've been playing soccer, if that's what you really enjoy, yeah, I say absolutely go for it. I mean, what could be the downside? What could possibly be the downside? You're gonna learn discipline. You're gonna experience being able to love what you're doing. You're gonna to get to travel to events and the possibility of being really great. Now that that's, that there's no, there's no negatives in that. The negative would be if you don't do it and you then end up regretting that you didn't pursue that. Now, my, my son, Kevin started racing bicycles when he was 10 years old. turns out he was really good. He advanced in that when he was 17, he switched to road racing on the, you know, the bikes with the little skinny tires on the road rather than BMX dirt bikes. And uh, he was very good at that. He traveled internationally, lived in, lived in Holland for a couple of years. He raced on the Dutch national team, came back. He was ranked nationally here in the United States. And then he discovered that in order to really be at the top, I mean, I'm talking Tour de France, that required some compromises that he questioned making in his own life. We talked about it. He was concerned even at that point, about, gee, what if he quit? Would it be a waste of all those years where his mom and I supported him and helped him along and that? And we're like, absolutely not. If you quit today without winning the the Tour de France, you will take with you so much value. Again, the value of the discipline, the physical exercise, the physical Expertise, the physical excellence that you have. I mean, there are many, many things that he took away from that. I mean, today he's married, he has seven kids, lives up, up in the Aspen Trees just outside of Woodland Park, Colorado. He hosts three podcasts. One of those is The Ziggler Show with over 52 million downloads. Does he regret chasing bicycle racing? I mean, not at all. I mean, he still jumps on his bike and just, you know, flies through the mountains. He events he he uh, enters a lot of events still, competitive events, just because he enjoys it. Now he's fifty years old doing all that. So Edmund, to your question, your terror about perhaps chasing this, yeah, do it. Go for it. I say go for it. I mean, get get around the best teachers that you possibly can, mentors that you've got, explore what it takes to get into bigger events, make yourself a candidate, be really good. Go for it. If you're 16, if you decide at 23 years old that, eh, you're really not going to go that way, again, I don't see any downside at all. So, hey, thanks for your question. And again, I commend you on 16 at reading and deciding what your dream is and being willing to go for it. All right. This comes from Ben who says, I've always had a dream and passion for real estate investing and construction. I built my own house and people are amazed. I got my real estate license with the hope of doing some investments, but have a hard time figuring out how to break away from my corporate job that pays so well and then transition to my passion. I feel like I need a mentor to get there. Thank you, Ben. Wow. You, you have proven yourself and what you've done, building your own house. I mean, that's awesome that you've done that. And I don't see any reason that you can't get involved in real estate in terms of investing, which is what you say you want to do, without jeopardizing your corporate job. I mean, there are some guys in my mastermind, uh, Chris Niemeyer, Jeff Long, Kent Julian. They're all heavily involved in real estate, but none of them have left their primary business that's giving them the day-to-day income. So Jeff Long is an example. He's a videographer. He produces complicated video projects for companies. Kent Julian is a speaker, but Kent Julian is quick to tell you, speaking provides his ongoing income. I mean, he's done really, really well at that. He teaches other people how to position themselves as speakers. That's been his income for many, many years. But- He's the first to tell you he's building wealth because of his real estate investments. He and Kathy are buying, they buy single family homes, nice homes. They have a management company that puts the renters in there and they continue to build doing that. Jeff Long, he buys really inexpensive houses, does a light modification on them, and then he puts people in there where the government is actually paying the rent. It's a totally different model, but it's a cash cow for what he's doing. Here's what I'm going to recommend to you, Ben, that you do get a mentor. And I want to connect you with Chris Niemeyer. Chris is another one. Now, Chris buys multi-unit properties. He's done a whole lot of things and he does a lot of flips where he goes in. He's got crews that go out and do rehabs and then he puts the things back on the market. He's done extremely well in doing that. If you go to chrisniemeyer.com, you can find information about him, or I'll connect you. I'll actually forward your your note to Chris to make sure that you can talk to him. He'd be a great mentor. And as a matter of fact, I think he's put together a course that you can go through, a very inexpensive course you can go through. But it's Chris Niemeyer, and his last name is N-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And I think you can do, but this is one of those where we don't look for either or. It's and. It's both and you can keep your corporate job that pays well and then get your real estate investments going until they are producing significant income. This is exactly the setup of the game cash flow that we've been playing with our kids and grandkids. It's an amazing game. And you want to get out of the rat race. And by the way, you get out of the rat race is to generate for yourself enough ongoing passive income that it bypasses your monthly expenses. At that point, you have the freedom to get out of the rat race and go on to bigger and bigger investments. And uh, you can you, you can actually do that in real life. Believe me, I've got my grandkids dreaming about how they're going to do that. They realize that just day-to-day income is never going to get them the freedom that they're looking for or the wealth they're looking for. So the game is valid principles in preparing them for that. All right, Matthew says, my big dream is wanting to start something bigger than myself, something that will push me past being comfortable, but something that will be a blessing to my family. I have wanted to write, have my own business, something will provide some personal freedom for me and my family. I've been scared to step out to believe it is possible. I know there are hurdles I must overcome. Thank you, Dan, for always providing wisdom, guidance, and that swift kick in the pants that I need. We say that you want to, you want to write, you want to have your own business. I mean, you can certainly look, I'm very open about what we do at 48 days. I write, I love writing, but I do lots of other things based on the message of my primary book, that being 48 days to the work you love. So I didn't just write and then just think that's going to give me the kind of life that I want. No, I write and then I coach because of that. We have a coach training program. I have a mastermind, we have our online community, we have a seminar that goes with 40 days, we have a whole lot of other courses and programs that people can take, we have affiliate programs where we promote things that other people are doing in our space and get commissions because of that. Anyway, those are the kind of things that you can put together to actually have a very robust business that gives you both the freedom to then write and probably the income that you're looking for. So certainly you can do that. Again, if you want to just, I mean, just go to 48days.com, just look through our site. You'll see all the things that we do. There's very little that relates to selling books that I've written, but there's a whole lot that relates to the things we do to engage people in the message of those books. And that's the way, if you look at writing in that way, you absolutely can move right through that. All right, Well, I, I, a couple more here, and these get really um, interesting. <clears throat> Because it's so easy to see how to expand in the way that I just described there. This comes from Molly. She says, Dan, you mentioned in an email that we could shoot you a brief idea of our dream. And that's where some of these are coming from. We've been sending out some things in preparation for this webinar that we just did on the five obstacles that hold dreamers back. So we've got a lot of notes that came in about that. So here's some of my thoughts. Molly says, I've been a dreamer for a long time. Coming up with lots of ideas, but never following through. The one dream I have always had is having a mini farm. I love horses, animals, and the outdoors. Even now, at 65 years old and overweight, I still love getting outside to work. But I'm not talking just lawn mowing and gardening. I'm talking about chainsaws, tractors, and really working the land. I would like to have at least one milk cow, a couple of horses, Chickens for eggs, goats for milk and pets, room for garden and fruit trees and land to work and develop. Another ministry that's dear to my heart is Christian camping. My husband worked for a Christian camp for a few years because we really have a heart to minister and serve people as they get away from everyday life to relax and grow in their walk with God. Is it possible to put those two things together? Some of my thoughts is to have cabins or maybe camping trailers that I fix up to be used for glamping on the property. That's another thing I worked at is buying and fixing up campers and trailers to sell, having a place for people to come relax and eat some homegrown products, interact with animals somewhere in there to strengthen their walk with God, or perhaps some sort of community, senior citizens, families, people who need a hand up or are transitioning Just on a little lighthearted note, I tell my kids, grandkids, and family, my hope is that when my life is over, you will find me somewhere on my land on a tractor or chainsaw in my hand and a smile on my face. (laughs) Well, I love it, Molly. (laughs) Thanks for your time. Uh, She says, "I, I love what you're talking about here. Goodness. And you can do that. I, I tell my kids, you know, that I my plan is to write a chapter of my next book in the morning and then have my funeral in the afternoon. I mean I tend to go out doing what I enjoy as well. And you can do what you're talking about. Now you say that you're 65, you know, is it too late? Well, remember that old Colonel Sanders guy we hear about with the white beard? You know, his, his story is pretty commonly known. He's 65 years old. He absolutely broke, absolutely broke the freeway had come around, so it bypassed the little restaurant that he had in town, so people weren't coming there. He was absolutely broke. He got his first Social Security check, and he was going to have that coming in every month. You know what the check was for? $105. With that as his security, that was the only income he had, he started promoting, going around letting people know about his recipe for cooking chickens. Of course, that turned into Kentucky Fried Chicken, Made him a millionaire and a lot of other people as well. Certainly you aren't too old to start that. I mean, if you're 65, goodness, what do you have, 30 years that you could do what you're talking about here? Now, I'm going to connect you as well with my neighbors up in Tennessee, and their website is stonycreekfarmtennessee.com. Stony is S-T-O-N-E-Y, so it's stonycreekfarmtennessee.com. You can go there and check it out. It's Lee and Olin Funderberg, dear, dear friends of ours. They watched, you know, they they came to, now that I remember it, I'm just remembering, they asked if they could come to one of our conferences. It was called Innovative. It was how to take a, a creative idea and turn it into something really significant. So we had musicians and artists and speakers and comedians and all kinds of people there. Anyway, they asked if they could come to that in exchange for. Catering a couple of the meals that we would have for the group that was going to be there, I said, "Absolutely, come on down. We'll do that." So they had farm-to-table produce that they produced in their farm, and they made a couple amazing meals for the group of like sixty people that we had there in exchange for attending the conference. But they learned well. Believe me, they have eighteen acres. And I looked, I just looked on their site for some of the things that they're doing now. And I'm very familiar with all of these, but you, you talked about, you want to have a, a cow and chickens, you know, they have, they have chickens. So we would always get our brown eggs from them as long as we live there in Tennessee. So that's one of the things they're doing. They have chickens for eggs. They have other, they have goats just as pets around there. But here's some of the things they do for income. Now, they didn't start a nonprofit or ask for donations. or No. Are they doing ministry? Yeah, you better believe it. The experiences that kids, families have in coming out there are legend. They really are. But here's some of the things they're doing. They have garden rentals. So you can rent a 10 by 20 plot for the year, for the growing year, and you plant your own garden there with your family. So they do that. They have coming up their 2021 Sustainable Farm Conference now, this is a full conference i will have there in their property for a couple of days, teaching people sustainable farm practices. They wrote a book, Dirt Rich. I love, love, love the title. And I had the pleasure of writing a forward to that book, Dirt Rich, where they go through describing what they're doing to live a rich life. Now in that, we're not talking about just what's in the bank in terms of dollars, but living a rich life. And I love the Love the play on words, dirt rich. They live on the land that they love and love what they're doing. They have a lot of workshops. They do workshops at other places. They're speakers at conferences. They do commercial videos. A couple of years ago, I had somebody who's a, a video producer in Nashville contact me and he said, you know what you've got there in Franklin, the little farm that you've got? It's not a farm. We didn't grow anything. All we did was mow the grass and live there. And what we, we I mean, we grew lots of flowers and we had waterfalls and all that, but he said, you're a really good example of the urban farmer that's really popular right now. And he said, he's got a, a client and it was Vermeer, the m- manufacturer of farming equipment, And they really focus on the urban farmer, kind of the uh, tractor supply customer that is targeted there. And he said, would you be up for having them come out and spend a couple of days doing video on your property, showing you, you know, driving the tractor and doing the things that you do? I have a little John Deere tractor and some equipment. I said, sure. You know, it sounds like fun. I'm always up for something new like that. Well, as we got closer to the time, and he he was describing to me more what they were looking for to really see somebody, you know, working the land. I said, I don't really do that. I said, I don't do the things you're talking about. It'd be kind of artificial. I said, you need to talk to my neighbor because they really do. They really are using the land in really creative ways and are a better target audience for what you want to show in this video than I. I connected them with Leon Olin. So this company came out. They unloaded, because Leon Olin's driveway is narrow and very long, they unloaded all the equipment they were going to use in the videos in my yard, on my side, and then took them over piece by piece. But they did two days of video, so Leon Olin were in the video instead of me. And when the company left, they left seven different farm equipment pieces there, just as a gift to them, in addition to paying them, but as just as a gift to them said hey just you know use them share them with whatever you know show them to people when they come that included two bush hogs a disk a cultivator post hole digger i forget what the others were but there were seven different farm equipment pieces that were left there that course were worth a lot of money. So Lee and Nolan, you know, are grateful for that connection, but that's another thing that they've done then repeatedly is to make videos there. There have been some tractor supply videos that have been done there, and they've become kind of known for that. They have a course called Dirt Rich Education. They do classes. Now, there's a bunch of classes coming up, sourdough bread and cinnamon rolls class, how to grow blackberries in your own backyard. They have a Southern Women's Society private clienting canning 101 class. Um, there, there's one coming up real soon and it's sold out. Sorry. It's canning 101, how to preserve your own healthy food. And it's sold out, which is typically the case with their classes. They, on their property, they rent storage space for RV and mobile service vehicles. Now that's just some of the things they're doing. Now, this is another example, exactly like I'm talking about. I don't just write a book and then hope I get royalties from Solomon and Amazon. No, I leverage the message. They're doing exactly the same thing with their farm. So they have 18 acres. That's not big enough to really have a farming operation that's going to be profitable, but they use that 18 acres in so many different ways. They create a very nice living for themselves and love what they're doing in the process. Well, you can do the same, Molly. I love your question. I love your setup. You can certainly do exactly the same. Well, I only catch my breath here a minute if you get so excited talking about the possibilities there. Just a couple more here to go. But I want to remind you, these are real life questions from you, the listeners. I consider it an honor to See those questions come in week after week. Love seeing them there. Your success stories, your questions. If you got a question, just send it in to me at askdan at 48 dayscom And that email address is askdan at 48 dayscom Now, this comes from Kylie. This is kind of a related question as well in terms of what her dream is. So check this out from Kylie.
2: Hi, Dan. I know my passion very well. I have loved and ridden horses since a young child and have been starting and training many of my own horses in between having four babies in the last 10 years. I love training horses. I spent hours watching videos and quite a bit of money on subscriptions and courses and learning as much as I can. I have one horse my own at the moment that I'm in the process of training, but I have four young kids and I'm working around them and I'm unsure if the traditional trainer path is for me. I don't like the time pressure um, that, and responsibility that it puts on me. I would ideally love to train up young horses and sell them for a profit, but this takes many years to generate an, inc- an income at all and costs quite a bit to get started. I currently run a family daycare, which I started so I could work and spend time with my kids. I'm also qualified in childcare and feel that I do quite a good job. It's quite profitable and very reliable income, but I just don't feel fulfilled. My youngest is nearly two and the other three are at school and I keep telling myself to wait till she goes to school, but I feel like I am forever waiting on my kids to grow up to turn my passion into a career. I also make good quality handmade leather gear, which I enjoy part time, but not sure if it would be enjoyable full time. Besides, my true passion is in training horses. I feel like there's an opportunity I'm missing, but I just can't put my finger on it, and I was hoping you could help.
0: My goodness. Thanks for listening. I love your question, Kylie. love your question, love your heart, love your clarity about what it is that you want to do. You mentioned in there that you are thinking about waiting until your two-year-old is going to school. You know... The reason I use 48 Days to the Work You Love with that number, that timeline, is because of working with so many people over the years who knew what their dream was, and then I'd run into them two years later and they hadn't done anything, and I'm like, what's up with that? We laid out a plan. Well, I'm waiting until... I get my next degree. I'm waiting until I pay off my student loans. I'm waiting until my kids get out of high school. There's so many reasons in life that pop up that are seem like good excuses, good valid reasons for just waiting a little bit more to start. That's why I began with the 48 days. 48 days. Everybody has a lot of different things going on in our lives. There's always those good reasons that would kind of hold us back. You know, all the lights are not green. Well, they're never going to be always green. Things just continue to happen. So the real key is to decide, okay, I'm going to create a plan and I'm going to execute it. Now, it may not be full blown or like you want it to be five years from now or 10 years from now, but you can start with it. And it's amazing sometimes when you start the momentum that you get just by starting getting in the game. So your affinity, your passion for training horses, you know, what could you do? Now, I'm not sure if you've got property or if you already have. Have horses if you have space to do that, but certainly if you do, you could do even some of the things like I just talked about my friends, Owen and Lee, who have the farm. You could board horses. You could offer rides for kids or whole families. You could have an online store for equestrian supplies. I mean, just, I would get a piece of paper and write down 20 things that you could do, not just training young horses and then selling them. That does take some time. But your affinity, your passion for horses and what's involved with that. Make a list of 20 things you could do around that idea and then identify what are two or three things that you could do right now that may not take you away from your four children. Responsibilities raising raising them right now things you could include them in. I mean, a lot of the people that we see who are doing extremely well with their own ideas include their families. Even in what I'm doing, we always included our kids. I mean, they have years of experience of putting together those original three ring binders. We'd put those together. We'd laugh together as we're doing them, play music, horse around, but we'd um, put those together. They were all part of that. They'd go to seminars with me. Ashley, my daughter, who's worked for me for 19 years now, when she was 12 years old, she'd go with me to seminars and she'd pass out the flyers that we were going to use. She'd answer questions. And then she got used to speaking in front of groups. And today, you know, she speaks with confidence as a leader in so many ways. I mean, you can do that. Let's see it as an opportunity for your four children, not as something that takes you away from them. When I worked with Kent Julian, who you hear us talk about, he, in our 48 Days Eagles community, he is our Dean of Speaking. He's very successful as a speaker. I mentioned a little earlier, just a few minutes ago here, but he's very successful in doing that. When we started work looking at this, he was, he was a youth pastor, essentially, with a major denomination. He would put together conferences and all that, so he had a salary, and he really wanted to be move into this speaking arena. And we looked at what would be required. That's something that doesn't take place overnight. And I said, Kent, if this would take you three years to really get up to speed full time in speaking, you know, would you do it? Would you start now? And he said, oh, yeah. I said, what if it took five years? He said, yeah, I think I would, yeah. I said, what if it took 10 years? He's like, well, you know, that's the 10 years he was at the time like 30 years old? He said, yeah, I'd only be 40. Yeah, I'd still do it. I said, what if it'd take 15 years? <laughs> he remembers the details of our conversation better than I do. But, but the point was, yes, he would still do it. And I would encourage you to get started in what you're talking about here now. Do something in that arena where that is clearly what your passion is. The time is going to pass anyway. There's a quotation from Earl Nightingale, who is the author of the the little audio, The Strangest Secret That Impacted Me So Much as a 13-year-old kid. He said, never give up on a dream just because of the time it will take to accomplish it. The time will pass anyway. See, that's the thing. When I hear somebody say, well, it would take me four years to be trained as a whatever it is you know, if it's going to be a physical therapist or whatever, you know, well, the time's going to pass anyway. Would you like to show up at 35 years old with that training behind you and then be able to go spend the rest of your life doing what it is you really enjoy? Well, absolutely. I mean, I'm starting, I'm starting things now. I'm taking Spanish lessons every Tuesday and Thursday. I have a 30 minute lesson with Maria from Venezuela. I love, love Maria and what she does to prod me along, to push me, because I want to learn Spanish. Now, I didn't say, well, my opportunity has passed. No, I'm I'm still, I'm looking for things that I can learn. Well, I hope you're doing the same. Again, great questions. Thanks for sharing those. When you have questions, uh, just shoot those in to me at askdan48days.com. That's the email address that comes to me most quickly as you hear some people leave audio messages you can find the microphone anywhere on 48days.com if you want to do that as well welcome that delighted to get your questions in the intriguing things that challenge us all as we try to move forward toward our dreams i love these things that you're sharing the dreams that you have you know having clarity about what your dream is is certainly a starting place what is it that you'd like your life to look like 10 years from now Five years from now, two years from now, next year, 2022, you can start making deposits in what you want that to be. Just be clear on what it is your dream is. Start making the plans. Just getting clear on what it is. Often doors of opportunity start to open in ways that you can't even anticipate. Don't think about the how, just think about the what. What is it that you'd like to have happen? The how-to starts to show up on its own. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for sending you your questions. Thanks for being open to growing and to being a powerful force for making the world a better place and for believing without a shadow of a doubt that we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.